0: Welcome to Wednesday Night at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you've joined us. We're in the first chapter, and in fact, we're going to go through all the first chapter tonight. We went through the first uh, five verses last week, but Paul has a purpose of writing this because these people are going through a difficult time and he wants to help them. And so, like we said, grab your notes, get a pencil. If you want to text something, the number is there on the screen and you can text us in a question. I'll try to stop and answer it and do the best we can. So it begins with the perversion of the gospel. The perversion of the gospel. That's where Paul is headed. That's why he's writing to these people because there are some things going on that are uh, not acceptable to him. Notice what he says. Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. I am shocked. I can't believe it. There's, there's just an element of, uh, of him coming to a place where he's just saying, this is just inconceivable to me. I am shocked that you're turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but it's not the good news at all. You're being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. So what Paul is saying is, look, you're at a place right now where you started well, you began well, but now you're turning away from what the truth is. Now, like many, it wasn't an obvious way of saying, "Okay, we're not—we're rejecting everything Paul says." What was happening was, we like what Paul says, but we also like this over here. And what was transpiring was there was this way that was going on throughout the New Testament church. We just finished Philippians. They had to deal with the same thing, called the Judaism. Uh, You know, it was just this, this mixture of, okay, you can be a Christian, but to be a good Christian, you also have to be a good Jew. To be a good Jew, you have to obey the rules and the laws of the Old Testament. Circumcision was the big one that they wanted to make sure everybody kept. And so what was happening was the Judaizers were coming in. They were teaching this gospel, so to speak. Hey, look, what Paul said is right. You can be saved, you have faith in Christ and everything else. But at the same time, you also have to do this. Now, here's what We understand. Jesus plus anything else is apostasy. Jesus plus anything else is false doctrine. And that's what Paul is beginning to lay out before them in this teaching in this letter that he's giving to them, he's saying, look you're committing treason. You're rejecting the beliefs that I gave to you, the beliefs that you had in favor of something else. It pretends to be the gospel. It seems to be the gospel. It even seems right because a lot of you came from the Jewish traditions you know all of that but now you have to leave that because now Christ has come and you can't mix old with new Jesus taught that it's a principle that he got across to them you can't put the old into the new you can't put the new wine into the old wine skins you have to come out and be different and so Paul's writing this and that's just so prevalent in us today because we're not much different you see what we do is um, people don't abandon the good news is what Paul says they don't just reject it completely. They just say, well, okay, I I can understand that, but I also like this. And here's how we twist the truth. Well, you know, I I, I understand that uh, what Christ said, and I believe Jesus existed, and I I believe He's right, and I believe that's good. But I also believe this over here. And therefore, you know what? I, I believe in being a Christian, but I also believe there's a lot of ways to God And you can get to God, however, as long as you're a good person, God will understand. That's a false religion. Why? Well, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says there's only one way to God, and that's through Jesus Christ. Now, if you go and add another way and say, well, as long as you're being good and as long as you're doing what's right, then you've changed it, haven't you? There is no exception clause. And and you make it different than what it is supposed to be. Or... Let's say you've got a young adult and that young adult was raised by Christian parents in a godly home whose parents were faithful, attending church, involved in ministry and doing all kinds of things. And as I have talked to those over the years that have come to me and said, I don't understand something. You know, my parents who used to be so committed and so alive are now hardly going to church and what's the difference here? And suddenly things that matter don't anymore. And they begin to look at it like, well, if my parents are like that, then it must not be that important. And maybe they raised me that way, but they're not doing it now, so maybe I don't have to either. And yeah, I'm not going to reject how they raised me, but I kind of maybe, you know, I've got a friend who's into yoga and TM and they're really involved in that. And maybe there's something to that. And they haven't rejected or turned away, but they have changed the truth. So we Christians are really good at that. Or, here's another thing we do. Well, I believe Jesus Christ saves you. But if if you're really saved, you won't dress like that. You won't do this. And we begin to get a set of rules together that we say, these are the rules you have to keep if you're going to be a Christian. Well, those rules don't flow from God's Word. There's principles that are there, but when you start saying you have to do this and this plus this, you have now diminished the gospel of Jesus Christ. Salvation comes through belief in Jesus Christ and his mercy and his grace, period. And anytime you and I begin shifting on that, adding to that, making there be more to that, then we're not doing anything different than these people were doing back in this New Testament time. And so, we've got to come to that place where we understand, you know, we are good at putting our rules on other people. We are good at saying to someone, you have to live like this. And then we have that rule and then we see someone who we thought was a good Christian and they're not living like we think they should. And suddenly it throws us for a loop and we think, well, if they're not doing it, then I guess I don't need to. And I guess I can do what I want. So you and I have to be careful because the truth of the good news is Jesus Christ came to save sinners. And there is only one way of salvation, and that's through believing on Him. John Calvin said this, the devil sometimes uses apparently small, subtle issues to distance us from the gospel without us even perceiving it. The gospel is very simple, but it's powerful. And it's something that you and I have to guard against because we are good at adding to our little things, the things we think it has to be this way, and you got to do this. It's Jesus, plus you have to do this, and read like this, and act like this, and say this, and have this, and we begin to put things into it. And that's what was going on in this church. They hadn't rejected what Paul taught them. They just said, well, maybe we need to add to it. We, We believe what you said, Paul, but we also believe that, you know what, we need to keep the Old Testament laws. Well, you're not saved by keeping laws, you're saved by grace. Now, which one is it? And Jesus said, I came to do away with the old. Now there's a new way. And so Paul's writing to them and he says, I just can't believe that you are already diverting from the truth that I gave to you and that you're adding to it and you're going to another direction. I just can't comprehend how you could do this. And so that's where Paul starts. He, he just kind of really nails it there. And then Paul wants to please God. Paul now gets a little uh, stronger. He kind of powers up on them. He, he comes to a place where he says in verse 8, he says, look, let God's curse fall on anyone. Now that's a pretty strong statement. You know, anyone, let God, let God curse you including us, including myself or even an angel from heaven. Well, I saw a vision. I had a dream. I think God told me this. Who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you? I say again what we have said before, if anyone preaches any other good news than the one you were you welcomed Let that person be cursed. Wow, that's pretty heavy, isn't it? Paul's meaning business here. He says, I can't believe you did this. In fact, let me just add to it. I I just pray that anybody who comes to you that way, and I I pray that anybody tries to say that with you is just going to, you know, fall under the curse of God. May the... May they die. May they be struck with a disease. May something be happening in their life because they're leading you astray. Verse 10, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people. Oh, huh, you think? Yeah, you're not. You're being pretty harsh here. But of God. And if pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Remember, our task is to keep ourselves on track. We don't have to try to keep everybody else on track. We have to keep us on track. That's a full-time job. And see, our desire to please people, to want to be liked, to want to be accepted, can keep us from pleasing God that we go to an extent of, well, I want to fit in. And if that person says it's this, well, maybe they're right. And maybe this is the way it should be. And maybe they have something here. And, you know, there's a little bit in all of us. Maybe there's a little bit more. Maybe there's something I'm missing. And we tend to complicate it and make it more difficult. And we, we begin to listen to others because we, we want to be a part. And that's what was happening in this church. Well, Paul, these people are nice people. Don't upset the cart here. You know what they're saying is fine. We can live with that and live with this. And you know what? If you live a life trying to please yourself or trying to please others, in all probability, you're not going to please God. And so Paul says, look, I'm not trying to please people. Because if I'm trying to please people or trying to please me, that's called idolatry. That means I'm put something before God. And he says, I'm not trying to do that. And he says, if I do that, notice what he said, I would not be Christ's servant. If I go any other direction, if I do anything else, I would not be Christ's servant. I'm going to serve Christ. And I want you to understand what is going on here is reckless, it's damaging. It's heresy. It's causing you to fall away from the gospel of Christ. And it seems innocent, and it seems like it's not hurting anything, but you're going down the wrong road. Stop. Then Paul talks about the gospel he preaches. The gospel he preaches. Strong words here. And here's what he says. Dear brothers and sisters, I want you to understand that the gospel message I preach is not based on mere human reasoning. Now, we've talked a little bit about this before because, you know, going on in this point in time in history, the Greeks were very elevated and they lived off human reasoning. And so it's not based on what you think or what makes sense to you. Because sometimes... Paul writes, the cross is foolish to people. He says, this isn't based on human reasoning. You know, this isn't based on what you understand all the time. I received my message from no human source. And no one taught me. Instead, I received it by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. (laughs) You know, well, pastor, you know, serving Christ and just uh, that isn't logical. A lot of things aren't logical, but it's still true. It doesn't make sense to us, but it's still right. And so you and I have to understand. Paul says, look, I, I want you to understand something. I didn't make this up. This doesn't come from me. This isn't something I designed. This is something from God. And see what the Judaizers were doing. They were attacking Paul's credibility. Well, who does he think he is? What gives him the right to say what's right and wrong? And that's what people do. And then they want to hold on. Here's another one. They want to hold on to their tradition. After all, we've been this way for how many years? And we can't just let that go by the wayside. It's going on. So Paul's dealing with this and he's saying, look, if you think I've made this up, and if you think this is something that comes out of nowhere, I want you to understand something. The message I preach, the gospel, the good news that I give to you, it's not made up. I was given this revelation by God himself. And Paul Ben begins to get into some of his history. He says, let me tell you about this. Let me show you how this works. Let me remind you of where I came from. You see, we did this with the Philippians. He's having to do it again here. Notice what he says. You know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion. I've been there. I know what it's all about it. how violently I persecuted God's church. I did my best to destroy it. I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in my zeal for the traditions of my ancestors. You think I didn't like that? I, I understand all of that. I was one of the ones out in front of this. I was doing it more than anybody else. And I want you to understand, you know my past. You say, well, was Paul really that bad of a guy? Here's what we're told about him in Acts chapter 26, verse 9. I used to believe, as Paul's speaking, that I ought to do everything I could to oppose the very name of Jesus the Nazarene. In other words, I was all in. Indeed, I did just that in Jerusalem. Authorized by the leading priest, I caused many believers there to be sent to prison. Not, not a few, many. And I cast my vote against them when they were condemned to death. You want them to die? Yeah, I'm in. You know, what's up? Uh, kill them. Get rid of them. They're, they're not going the way they should go. And many times I had them punished in the synagogues to get them to curse Jesus. I was so violently opposed to them that I even chased them down in foreign cities. Now that's a guy with a mission. He did everything he could to stop people turning to Christ. He says, look, you you think I'm just easily walked away from Judaism? He says, "I, I was all in on it. I did everything I could, but then I had a revelation from God and God changed my view and my understanding, and my heart. And he gave me this message. It's different. But it's his. And I didn't do it. I know the law very well. I know what needs to happen. I've killed for it. My pride convinced me I was right. You see, that's what pride will do to you. It'll convince you that your way is the right way. It'll convince you that you see things better and clearer than everybody else. It'll convince you that I'm doing this thing. And you can label it all you want. Paul thought he was doing it for God's sake. He was doing it for his sake. And you can be zealous for something and be wrong. And so that's where Paul's at. And he's saying, look, here's what happened. Here's where I'm at. I'm I'm concerned for you. I can't believe you're doing this. I can't believe you've already stepped away. This has got to stop. I didn't just make this up. You know my past. You know my history. I stood for the for the Jewish religion for a long time until I had a revelation, and now things are different. And so then the process that Paul went through. Now, Now notice what Paul begins to do. He begins to tell his story. It's hard to argue with someone's story because it's their story. And you can argue with their beliefs, but you can't argue with their story. Here's what he says. Even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Before you were born, God knew you. Before you were born, God had a plan for you. Before you were born, God who designed you knew what He wanted you to do. What did He want you to do? He wanted you to serve Him. So Paul says, look, this has happened from the very beginning, from the very start. Still true today, by the way. Then it pleased Him to reveal His Son to me, so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. It pleased him to open my eyes. God had his stamp on me and he designed me for this purpose and God, here I am. And God says, look, this isn't what I made you for, Paul. This isn't what I designed you for. And say, sometimes we say we found God, but sometimes God found us. He came after us. He pursues us. He won't go against your will. But he'll do a lot to help you be more willing. And so Paul says, look, he, he revealed his son to me. So I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. And when this happened, uh, we, we know how it happened. He a uh, bright light shined on Paul, blinded him. Paul, why do you persecute me? What do you want me to do? And he's called. I did not rush out to consult with any human being. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to consult with those who were the apostles before I was. Instead... I went away into Arabia, and later I returned to the city of Damascus. And then three years later, I went to Jerusalem. Notice, three years, that's a long time. We sometimes think Paul had that blinding light, and that experience happened, then a week or two later, he's on the road, uh, you know, preaching the gospel. No, three years to get to know him. And and P- Peter and stayed with him for 15 days. I went in to the people, the leaders, the apostles, the ones who were leading the church in Jerusalem, the people who are out of the Jewish faith. I went to them. I stayed with them. And the only other apostle I met with at that time was James, the Lord's brother. So don't think I just went off and did my own thing. I set some time with them. I explained to them what was going on. I consulted with them. They didn't give me the message. Jesus gave me the message because even Peter still wrestled with the message going to the Gentiles. Paul says, this is what God called me to do. I declare before God that what I'm writing is not a lie. And after that visit, I went on north into the province of Syria and Cilicia. And still the churches in Christ that are in Judea didn't know me personally all they knew was that people were saying the one who used to persecute us is now preaching the very faith he tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. They saw how my life was turned around and how it made a difference to them. And so Paul is there saying, look, I did what God called me to do because this is what I'm called to do. And so the good news is much more than just how to be saved. The good news is also a revelation of God. You begin to see Him in a greater, bigger way. You begin to relate to Him in a closer, more intimate way. And so Paul gives his testimony. Here's what happened. Now, you and I live in a world that has a lot of weird ideas about how you serve God. So how would we give our testimony to the people who don't know God? How would we take a moment and share with them as Paul's doing here to these folks saying, here, here's what I've done, here's the way it is, Uh, here's what I want you to know. So taking his model, let me give you just three things very quickly that when you wanna share the gospel, the good news, let me me tell you how to do that. Number one, how, how Paul gives his testimony. It was short. Now see, for for some of you, when you start giving your testimony, uh, by the time you get done, people are asleep because you've been droning on for so long, trying to fill in every minutia and every little detail about everything. He kept it short. People's attention span is short. You don't have to go into all the details of it. Paul didn't go into all the details here. He could have taken a whole lot more time and talked about his conversion experience. He didn't. So it's short. It's be brief. You're not there to preach at them. You're sharing with them. Secondly, it made sense. He followed a logical pattern. He said, this is who I was this is when I changed and this is who I am now. This is who I was. Now, for some of you, who you were is quite a story, but you don't need to go into all the gory details about it. For me, mine's really short. I mean, I was a nine-year-old kid, you know, still trying to live what's right. I wasn't what you would call a horrible person, a horrible sinner, but I was still a sinner. But then one night, I listened to a message, and God spoke to my heart. Let me know I needed him. And since that day, I've lived a life following him, and he's led me every step of the way directing my path because I know I can trust him. You see, that's what you share with people. Here's who I was. Here's how and when I met God, short. And here's what it means to me today. Here's how it's changed my life. Here's the difference it's made in me. So short, it makes sense, and it spotlighted God. It isn't about you. It's about God. Paul says, they knew me, and God was praised because of it. They knew how I was, and they praised God because of me. If the attention's on you, you've done a poor job of sharing. The attention should always be on God because it's all about Him. So you want Him to get the credit. I want God you to get glory. I want you to know how much I care and love you and care about you. And so even today... You and I still have to guard what we believe because it's very easy for us to get sidetracked and off track to not just walk away from the good news, not just say, okay, I don't believe that anymore, but to start adding to it, to start making it something different. Well, it's this plus it's this. And anytime you take this plus this, you're getting off track. Well, I think you got to do this and you have to do... No, no, no. Salvation comes through believing in Jesus Christ. That's the message. That's the gospel. Well, what about these people? The Holy Spirit has a way of helping people live that out. Don't get in His way. Let people know who you are. Stay true to what's true. And be willing to share your life with others so that they can see what God has done in you and God is glorified because of it. And when you do that, other people will listen and you'll have an opportunity for someone else to accept the good news of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you tonight for the privilege we have of serving you. The gospel's worth fighting for and Paul's fighting for it. The good news is just great news. It's about Jesus Christ. And Lord, would you help us to stay true to the simplicity of the gospel and to the message? And Lord, would you help us to be ones who live that message out and know who we are in you because you have a plan for us from the very beginning and you'll use us. Thank you for caring for us, for loving us, for saving us, and for using us. And help us be willing to share our story, just as Paul shared his, so that other people can see how great God is. And so, Lord, we live this week knowing the truth of the good news and the privilege we have of serving you. Help us to do that, we pray. In thy name, amen. Thank you for joining us for tonight's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. We also gather on Sunday mornings at 8, 15 and ten forty five a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next time for Wednesday night at Faith Assembly. Wednesday night is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.